This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week TV podcast. We're going to be talking about a new drama coming to ABC TV shortly. Joining me today, as always, my um, Media Week columnist, my podcast co-host, Andrew Mercado. Welcome back. Hi, James. And a special guest today is Tony Ayres, co-creator and executive producer of that new drama, which is called Fires. Welcome, Tony. Hi, James. Hi, Andrew. Now, Fires, F-I-R-E-S. The um, we've had a lot of fires in Australia recently. Just just tell us about um, how the, your stories are connected to that, and and what sort of um, took you to this project. Okay, so on the summer of 2019, I had a week's break. I was making a show for Netflix called Clickbait, and um, it was very intense. And I had one week off, and it was the week of the fires. <laughs> and so I spent my entire week kind of glued to Twitter, glued to the news, watching what was happening, like everyone else in Australia, just being kind of appalled and horrified and may and I just felt like you know what do what do we do and you know I'm not a sort of um celebrity with millions to donate uh I was talking to my friends and you know like I'm a storyteller so maybe we can tell stories about what has happened and um the first person I talked to was my very dear friend and colleague Belinda Chaco who I'd worked with on on many projects, and um, and she agreed. She, we felt that you know what we could do as storytellers was just try to honor the experience that people have gone through over that summer, and then tr- and you know try to you know talk about it in a in a way which was positive and helpful. That's a pretty big thing to take on, Tony, because the bushfires were so big and there were so many people involved in that. And, and it feels to me that episode one of Fires is how you set up uh, what is basically an anthology series, might be a way to call it, but you've got a, a couple of characters we're meeting in that first episode. We are going to have some follow-through, Yeah. Yeah, that was the idea. And Belinda in particular, who is the showrunner of the show, as well as, you know, the head writer, um, she really wanted to make an anthology series that had a serialised element. And there are two elements that we use. Firstly and foremost, um, Eliza Scanlon, wonderful Eliza Scanlon and Hunter Page Lockhart. Uh, who are the two young volunteer fireys who we meet in episode one. They go through this extraordinary experience and it kind of bonds them and it makes them want to keep helping people, keep fighting fires. And and this is true. There are all these people who are volunteers who travelled down the coast from Queensland to New South Wales to Victoria to help people. You know, they were on rotation and they just you know, gave so much and, and, you know, it's incredibly brave and incredibly moving that they, they chose to do that. Tell us about the filming during COVID, which sort of um, followed the fires pretty quickly. The 
did you, I mean, you've got an amazing cast and there must have been challenges because of COVID, but did it help you at all with the cast? Because you've got some pretty big names in. I think that the nature of the show meant that it was something of a call to arms for um, uh, Australian actors, many who had very significant international profiles, who, um, you know, had returned to Australia because of COVID Mm. and who wanted to do something here that was meaningful to them. And we were so fortunate that we had so many people, you know, people like Sam Worthington and Anna Torv and Miranda Otto and Richard Roxburgh and Sullivan Stapleton and Noni Hazelhurst and Eliza and Hunter and Helen Suarez, Kate Box, Dan Henschel, Dan Spielman, like the, the list goes on and on and on. And these were people who just really like Belinda and I and our executive fellow executive producers, Liz Watts and Andrea Denham, we just wanted to try to um, say something about this, in particular because we feel that what is underlying the fire story is such an urgent thing for us to be talking about, mm-hmm. not only as a country but as a planet. You know, you know, what is causing all of this? Let's talk about it. Let's try not to judge. Let's try not to blame. But let's try to have a conversation about this. Certainly when you look at the incredible cast and, as you say, wanting to get involved in something important, I mean, it, it reminds me of way on sometimes you'll get a, a drama about AIDS and you'll have this incredible cast because there are so many A-list actors that, that want to get behind this. When you have all of these incredible actors joining up with you, uh, how did this work? Did you actually have actors, did you have the Sam Worthingtons of this world saying, look, I'm here in Australia, I want to be a part of this? Did you put a a call out to the industry and then start planning around some of the actors you thought that might be available? There were certain actors who let us know that they were interested in being involved in the show, but certainly... Uh, you know, we we can't cast roles that are not written. So, you know, we wrote the show. It was very important for us to try to give a range of the experiences that people had, which is why we didn't tell just the fiery story. We, we were really keen to tell stories about ordinary people, you know, ordinary Australians caught in a global catastrophe who uh, somehow have to survive and, you know, get on with their lives. And we, we wanted to, you know, capture all the different parts of that experience. And also, you know, like you can't make six hours of people fighting fires. You know? and, and really that was only part of the experience. Part of it was also how do people deal with loss of property and livelihoods? How do people... Um, make a decision about whether to stay or whether to go, you know, if you're caught in in a place that's in imminent danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you fight for your property? Do, do, do you leave? What happens to all those people who do go and they find themselves in these makeshift um, um, centres, you know, the community centres? You know, how, do, how does that work? And, and, you know, and we really wanted to show of course, you know, ordinary people in 
you know, with ordinary problems, like everyone in our show, you know, are predominantly ordinary people for ordinary problems. And we wanted to see how they survived in, in, in a, you know, in the fire situation. And the series culminates with that mass evacuation that we saw, um, you know, happening in Victoria, you know, those, you know, we, we, and the extraordinary scale of, of those, those bushfires. Tell me, how do you, um, how do you sell the, the program to people who might be concerned, look, this might be just too stressful to watch? I mean, it was a pretty traumatic time for a lot of people, whether they were involved or even just sort of following it. I mean, I've seen the first episode and it's quite a, I mean, it's almost uplifting, you know. It's, um, it's a, shows a bit of a triumph of spirit, if you like. Um, but but do, how did you attack that side of it? We were very careful in... Um, First of all, in our consultations with the fireys, and I mean there are appropriate warnings at at, at the, the top, and also you know uh, messages for how to contact support at the end of uh, each episode. We were very conscious that you know this could be triggering for people, and so we, we you know we don't want to do that. Um, but the the key messages of the series we think are important messages. Uh, which is one that, um, you know, people, ordinary people could step up and do incredibly heroic things, you know, and I think that's a positive message. And also um, that it's actually, at the end of the day, the way people survive is through communities, you know, and and the the importance of community is, it's it's like a recurring story in all the research that we did. So those those were the two things that we felt were really positive and important. And you know, at the end of the day, you know, like often, you know, communities don't deal with these kinds of big traumas for twenty years. You know, like you know, remember, like there's this kind of rule of thumb. You know, the AIDS movies came out 20 years later. The, the um, Vietnam movies came out 30 years later. We can't afford to wait that amount of time to talk about this. There is not going to be a planet if we wait for 20 years to talk about this. When I think about uh, if we've done this sort of thing before on Australian TV, I think of the Granville train disaster becoming the miniseries The Day of the Roses, which was kind of based on the people who were actually in the train. And then we also had Cyclone Tracy, where it was kind of a fictional story against the backdrop of the actual disaster. With fires, are you writing completely new stories against this backdrop or have you got permission from uh, survivors to kind of fictionalise their story and have actors play them? We created characters and we created scenarios to put, uh, we didn't, you know, part of the thing of not really wanting to trigger people was, you know, we didn't do literal stories. So what we did was we created fictions. We even created fictional places so people wouldn't be traumatised about, you know, their literal places. Uh, So there there is a level of uh, metaphor in it, which we hope will, you know, protect audiences but uh we we also heavily research the series to make sure that people um 
you, you know, that we were, we were really digging into the kinds of experiences that people were having. So it's kind of somewhere, you know, like it's, it is a total drama, but it, it's a heavily researched drama. Tony, I've, I've, I've watched the, um, that first episode and uh, I've got to say I was just stunned by the, um, I'm, I guess it was a mix of special effects and real fire. I mean, there's a little bit at the start and you, th- you could think, oh, yeah, I know how they're going to do this, but then all of a sudden it goes to a next level and they're driving the fire truck through some amazing scenes. So give us a little insight on, on how you did all that because there must have been some big issues against having sort of naked flames. Uh, this was a first for me. Uh, we used uh, a technology called Dream Screen, which uh, Clayton Jacobson in Melbourne is championing. He has a studio and it is extraordinary. It's the way, it's the technique that the Mandalorian used. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's like normally way beyond <laughs> what an Australian yeah. budget can tolerate. So what it is, is um, we projected uh, um, fire on floor-to-ceiling high-definition LED screens and because uh, there's no way in the world that we could do that. Apart from anything else, it would be very irresponsible to start a bushfire. <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking that... <laughs> looking at it. You know? Yeah, completely impossible for us to replicate in real life. Right. So they, they were all floor-to-ceiling screens. We then brought, you know, and the best way to use that was, you know, we had this amazing uh, special effects person, Peter Stubbs. He came in and he had a machine that poured embers and smoke and we had real flames in the three in the three-dimensional space between the screens and the actors. And so everyone was safe. The screens themselves provide the provided the lighting so we you know like it felt very real the performers were you know instead of you know if we were doing traditional green screen instead of acting to tennis balls or acting in in they were kind of in situ and so that helped the performance I mean this is technology which is rapidly advancing and I think well I hope we will see more and more of it. Certainly Clayton is um, leading the charge for us in Victoria. Wow, that's so interesting. And, Tony, you say you haven't done this before, but you, you kind of actually have. I mean, how did Glitch end? There was a big bushfire at the end of Glitch. Um, but what you're, what you're telling us is, of course, that, you know, in just a few years, technology and special effects, you could, you know, you think you know how to shoot bushfires, but... It's a whole new game and it's changing all the time, right? Absolutely. I mean, we did glitch green screen and, you know, and I think we did a great job of it, but I think fires is next level. And one of the things that we wanted um, to create was this kind of immersive experience, like uh, so so that people had some sense of what, what people went through. Yeah. Wow. Do we see um, those special effects, um, do they differ during the, the, the six episodes? I mean, do we see different sort of takes on them? Do you get different experiences? Uh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, we didn't want to do a show that was just, people. you know, fireys fighting fires, you know, six times. Mm. Uh, you know, sometimes the fire 
doesn't appear at all. In episode two, we're following uh, Richard Roxburgh and Miranda Otto and Taylor Ferguson as they deal with the loss of uh, a property post-fire, you know, and uh, that it's, it's the most incredibly moving uh, episodes, beautiful writing by Jack Persky and direction from Anna Kokonos and the cast is extraordinary. So, um, you know, that's episode two. Uh, in episode three, it's the imminence of fire, the, the fact that fire is about to strike, which is, and that's kind of, you know, like we, th- uh, we think of that almost like the, um, the aliens episode, you know, where you don't see the monster, but you know it's lurking around the corner. Um, and that and that's a really beautifully uh, performed by Anna Torv and Mark Winter, you know, like, you know, An- Annalise Phillips, you know, like we have, a, have an extraordinary cast. Uh, and, um, you know, in episode four, we're at a community centre on Christmas Day. That's our Christmas special. Oh. I'm curious to know, will, will there be some characters in the show that don't believe in climate change? You know, because one of my memories of that whole period is every now and then, you know, on the, I remember the, the day that Sydney was choking in that orange glow smoke and, you know, the Prime Minister of Australia uh, had a breaking news conference to talk about religious freedom and I was sitting at home watching going, what's happening? This is this is crazy. So do you kind of get into that, you know, what, while those fires were going on, there was there was always this group of people and there were certain newspapers saying, oh, no, this is climate change protesters. They're deliberately lighting these fires to support their argument. How do you deal with that? We try to present a range of, point of points of view and we try not to hit the audience on the head with any sort of like agitprop political message. I don't think that that's very effective as a way of, for drama to connect to audiences. I, you know, like I think that what we can do as a medium is to engage people emotionally, you know, to get people to feel what this is like. I think the question of, uh, you know, whether the climate is changing or not, I think it's, you know, the science is pretty clear on that. So, uh, but, you know, we, we have a range of points of view in the show as, as reflective of Australian society. We don't talk about it very much, but I think underneath the show is this question, you know, why did this happen? And what are we going to do, you know, in the face of this happening again? You know, like that, I think that, you know, that, that is the underlying question of the show and we hope that people will engage with it, particularly since, you know, the fires happened and we went into COVID. <laughs> you know, like, you know the, the question of why those fires happened is not being talked enough Ooh. about. You know, we're not raising it enough. As, as a community, as a society, we have to think about this. Yeah. Tony, was the... Tell me a little bit about the, the pitching of the series and the the interest of the ABC. I mean, you're grinning there. Was there a, maybe a good story there? Did, was it always sort of going to have a home at somewhere like the ABC? I mean, it seems a very wide, broad interest subject. Could it have gone to a commercial? Uh, basically, I mentioned to Alastair McKinnon uh, in the week that I had off, oh, I, th- I think we should do it. 
a show about the fires. Um, he said, that's a great idea. He mentioned it to Sally Riley. She said, that's a great idea. That was it. it happened. Okay. And Sally was on the- board straight away. She knew that this was a subject for a national broadcaster. And for me, the ABC was absolutely the place to tell this story because this is a national interest story. And Alastair McKinnon is at uh, NBC Universal or Matchbox here, he's, where, where you still have a man- relationship with you. Yeah, he's the managing director of Matchbox, but he's also connected to my company, Tap. Like, you know, we're all kind of like Matchbox and Tap are sure. sort of incestuous siblings or something <laughs> like that. We were talking on a podcast, uh, the, the last one that James and I did, about the rumoured cost of how much clickbait costs to, ma- to make here in Australia. And, of course, you, you're not going to confirm that or anything, but, I mean, how do you go from making a Netflix show with a pretty good budget to now going back and then moving from that, working into a space, making an Australian show with a lot of special effects which don't come cheap? How do you <laughs> reconfigure to go from one world to the other, Tony? We had a decent budget on fires. And uh, NBCU absolutely believes in this project and put up an extraordinary um, advance. So we, you know, we, we we had a lot of faith in this project, uh, but it, you know, it doesn't match a US Netflix original. Um, you know, it was it's it's hard, but I think that that's what makes. Australian television as resilient and classy as it is because we're always punching above our weight, you know, like every single every single show. The 1960s, you know. Every single show I work on, you know, it it just doesn't have enough money, doesn't have enough time, but somehow we make it work. And Fires is an extraordinary example of that. Tony, I think, are you still doing a bit of post on the series? It's, I gather it's probably not all wrapped yet as we, we're speaking about just, what, week and a half before it goes to air. Uh, yeah, the final uh, episodes are being mastered and graded and mixed at the moment. So we all, as long as we're ahead of transmission, we're happy. <laughs> well, that's why we've only seen one episode. You know, I was, I was down today, like, this is my day to watch fires. And I went from episode one, oh, that's it. <laughs> um, I, th- I think you'll be pleased with how the series unwraps. You know, it's pretty, I think uh, Belinda in particular, as the creative leader of the show, has done an extraordinary job. You've worked on a few shows recently that have gone really well internationally, stateless, and, you know, the slap was remade for American TV. I mean, when you say that NBCU put up a lot of money for this, are they now looking at fires as something that can now go around the world? I mean, everyone around the world seems to know about these fires and and you've got a cast that's recognisable. Yes, that's exactly what we're hoping for. You know, we're really hoping that people will embrace this show uh, in the way that they embrace Stateless, you know. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it, I think it's a really classy act. 
And tell us a, a little bit about um, Tap Tony Air's Productions. <laughs> I mean, you were one of the founders, I think, of um, Matchbox Pictures, if I remember correctly, but you sort of stepped away a little bit from that and, and put up your own shingle. How's that going? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, st- I'm, still, I'm still connected to Matchbox and NBCU, uh-huh. uh, but I have my own quite small company with uh, Andrea Denham, who uh, was a partner at Princess Pictures, and she's joined me at TAP. And, we, you know, we, we have a couple of uh, young development executives who are really wonderful. And, you know, so it's just a tiny little team. Um, and, you know, the main focus of the company is international. And I think that's kind of why I broke away from Matchbox into this new direction. Like I'm, I'm, do- I'm doing things that are more sort of, you know, American focused, UK focused, or Asia focused. Like, a, the, the, you know, like there are still projects that I'm doing which are Australian. Like, I'm doing something for SBS and I'm doing something for the ABC. But, um, but primarily, the, the, the focus of the company is much more global. And, you know, and it kind of, you know, that's the way television is going. Uh, you know, like I think I, I've, um, you know, it, I'm, I'm not unique in that. I think a lot of people are facing in that direction these days. I've always been curious about what was the American version of the slap because the Australian version was so great and then Melissa George made it and it didn't seem to scream here in Australia. Um, And I just wondered, I, I was looking at the list of all the great shows you've made over the years, Australian shows like The Straits and Old School, which I loved so much with Brian Brown and Sam Neill. And, you know, it, it feels to me like, you know, the time frame is getting shorter and shorter to remake things. It's not like we're remaking stuff from 20 or 30 years ago. And it struck me that the slap may well be getting shipped around to networks today. We need to remake this because the slap was a story told before social media. And I would imagine that if you were going to do the slap in modern times today, all of the stuff in the slap would be a very, would be seen through a very different lens if it was done through social media. Are you prepared to watch some of your shows get remade as we move into the future? <laughs> Interestingly, I'm working on a couple of um, US versions of the, some of the other work that I've done. So... Um, It'll be, in- yeah, we'll see what happens with them. It's early days. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I mean, yeah, like Andrew, I love some of your, I'm a massive fan of the slap. I, for, for me, it's, yeah, it's one of your your real highlights. But you look through your sort of CV and you've got a, you know, you've obviously got some some really great premium drama, if you like, but you you like a bit of variation, you know, three seasons of Family Law, uh, Bogan Pride. You, you like <laughs> mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've got varied tastes. Most people have, actually, you know, and I've been lucky enough to sort of work in a range of areas. So, and I don't take that for granted at all. I do feel like I've been blessed. And uh, so, you know, like I'll, I'll always keep working on, you know, a range of things. I'm a bit of a butterfly, you know, anyway. So, or um, I'm, I am are not creatively monogamous, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, so I'll call it that. And um, so, yeah, you know, so I'm, you know, I, I worked on a, 
uh, New Zealand comedy called Creamery, for instance, which I absolutely love and is wacky. And, you know, we're trying to develop a season two and, you know, there are a few comedies thrown in there. Um, there are a few, you know, there is more thrillers and, you know, and I'm, I'm you know, my dream is to do a superhero show because I'm absolutely obsessed with them. But, uh, <laughs> we'll see whether that happens. Um, when I was looking at all of your stuff, it seems to me that your first ever job working on, in film and TV was on one of my favourite Australian movies of all time, and I'm pretty sure James, it, James will love it too. Tell us what you did working on Dogs in Space, directed by <laughs> Richard Lowenstein back in the 80s, starring Michael Hutchins. <laughs> that was my first job out of film school after, you know, like I'd just left uh, VCA and I got an attachment into the art department. And um, <laughs> I realised just how unglamorous the art department actually is, you know, like, <laughs> so my job was kind of getting used cigarette butts from pubs and <laughs> getting posters off the wall that we'd actually used the wrong glue to get um, to on. So, you know, so I had to sort of, you know, there's just a whole bunch of things that I had no idea the art department does. Now I have much more respect for the art department because I actually see how much work that department does. But um, at the time I was pretty clueless. <laughs> And just just before we um, let you go today, Tony, we, just give us a little bit about clickbait. It's um, I, I've uh, I waded into it last week, and I'm probably just over halfway through. It seems to be going very well for Netflix. I mean, do you get much of a sense of how it's going apart from maybe how it's ranked on their homepage? Um, as far as I know, uh, in its first week, it was the number one Netflix show globally. Wow. And um, doesn't get any better um, than that, man. So that was pretty. That was pretty good. That was pretty exciting. I was very uh, excitable that week, <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's been uh, in. I think it's been number one in about twenty six countries. It's been in the top ten in about seventy countries. Uh, it's done best in the US. So, you know, like it's done pretty well. Well, they must be happy with that. The um, Is that, you know, it's way too early to talk about it, I guess, but could there be a second series if if they wanted to do one? Would you have a, um, would you be open to that? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Well, it's, the, it's, it's an amazing way to do TV, isn't it, when it, you put it out and immediately the whole world has got access to the show and it, and in a penetration like Netflix, which seems to be almost as good as a free-to-air broadcaster these days, it's everybody seems to have access to Netflix. Well, the thing is that this idea of something being a global hit didn't exist before Netflix, you know, because shows rolled out territory, territory by territory. Uh, you didn't have that moment which... Um, uh, and and so given that Netflix has only been commissioning for eight, eight or nine years, you know, this is a relatively recent phenomenon. Certainly it's my first and possibly only experience of it. But um, it is um, an extraordinary thing. Yeah. My, my last question uh, for, from me today, Tony, I mean, you, you seem to have been really busy. I mean, it's probably a bit of a coincidence that clickbait and 
and fires are, are sort of coming out at the similar times. But are you able to tell us what we might see you next next from you? Um, oh, you know, you don't don't want to jinx anything. And, but it hasn't you know, been announced yet. No, what? no, there's nothing, nothing. Okay, nothing announced. There's a okay. whole whole bunch of maybes. All right. You know, you okay. can't be not monogam- monogamously creative and then sort of tell us where you're going. There's <laughs> word for that. And we can't use it. It's a nice podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. I've, I, I mean, I, you, you always feel superstitious about the, these things, you know. You don't want to sort of uh, pretend something, you know, hope that something's going to happen because the industry is so unpredictable, you, you know. So I don't know, but I'm I'm very optimistic. Fantastic. All right, great. Look, uh, congratulations uh, first off on the success of uh, Clickbait, just, just wonderful, um, and also on the um, forthcoming fires. I mean, I'm sure Andrew and I are both looking to, to dig in deeper than episode one so we can uh, do that Um very soon on ABC TV. I think it's September 26th. Have you got the Sunday night slot, I'm presuming? It's a yeah. Sunday night, yeah. Yeah, Sunday night's uh, September 26th, um, just around about 8.30. Of course, it'll be up on iView as well if um, you consume like that. Andrew. And also Creamery are uh, available to watch on SBS On Demand now as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. And clickbait on Netflix. It's It's going to be there for a while. Three shows, three networks. You're killing <laughs> it, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Great to see you guys. Good to see you. Take care. Look after yourselves in this never-ending lockdown. Well done. Yeah, thank you, mate.